You're listening to Guitars and Granola Bars, episode 70. Thank you so much for joining me here on Guitars and Granola Bars. I'm your host, Rachel Rambach, and this podcast is for women like me who are balancing a career they love with being a mom. In this episode, Jamie and I are chatting all about the evolution of our musical lives, where we got our start as musicians, how we made music before becoming music therapists and before having kids, and how things have changed throughout the years since. I'm recording from home today, and when I was standing in the kitchen trying to figure out what to eat, I realized that we have peaches, and I realized in that, too, that how ripe and amazing this peach is, and it is time here in Michigan for all of the fresh fruit and vegetables to start coming up. And I wanted to ask you what your kind of favorite like fruit or vegetable to get fresh from a market is this time of year. Cause it, it, we're in the Midwest and there's so many farmers markets and stuff. So that's my question for you. Ooh, that's a fun question. So my kids are both obsessed with fruit and if I let them, they would eat fruit for like three meals every single day. But I would say probably the number one for us is strawberries. We eat so many strawberries. We go through, I don't know how many every single week, but I feel like every other day I'm going to the store specifically for more strawberries or I'm buying them, yeah, like you said, at the farmer's market or wherever strawberries are sold because I cannot keep them in my refrigerator. It's crazy. Yeah. Strawberries and blueberries here too. Um, Just we have to have them. But this time of year, those peaches, I just cannot. So I'm like already thinking, okay, I need to start Googling, following all of the different um, farmers markets around here to see exactly when their peaches are out because we buy a ton and I make pies and we freeze some and uh, blueberries too. We do buy those and freeze them. Oh, yes. Yeah. So <laughs> that's a close second for us. Mia is really, really into blueberries. So we go through a lot of those too. And it's nice because we have a farmer's market downtown here. And it's like we just had an event on um, Saturday where I was performing and there were some other kids' activities going on. But then the farmer's market is right there. So you can pick up fruits and vegetables and kind of just browse whatever else is there. So yeah, that's definitely one of the perks of living in the Midwest. There are a lot of downsides, but that is a perk, I think. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, and you just mentioned that you were performing this past weekend. Where were you performing? What were you doing? I was playing at the grand opening of what's called the Kidsium. So it's a children's museum in downtown Springfield. And this is really, really exciting for our community because they've been trying to get this Kidsium off the ground and open for the last seven or eight years now. And just as far as funding goes, if you know anything about Illinois, state funding is not great. And so it's been a big undertaking. So finally, after all of this work and all of these years, the museum opened. And so they did a big event for the grand opening this past weekend. They had different performance groups come in and then I performed children's music and it was just a really fun and special day. So it was really, really exciting because I got to play for lots of people that I knew. I had um, students in the audience, my own kids and my niece and nephew were there and just a lot of people in the community that support the arts and support everything that you know Music Therapy Connections stands for. And 
Yeah. So I got to be a part of that. And I do that pretty often. And that's something that we'll kind of talk about today. But getting to participate in community events and share my music with others, and especially kids, is super fun. I like that you were able to do that with that community event to kick off something big um, for your community. I did something similar this past summer with... um, we paint rocks here in Jackson. I don't know if you have the movement there where you just yes, are painting on rocks. Yep, yep. yep, and putting yep. Out. So they did that last summer here. And so they had a big um, event called Rock the Dalem. And Dalem is our nature center here in Jackson. And so it was to raise money for the Dalem. And everyone went out and brought rocks and painted rocks. And um, they had different rock hunts for different ages set up all over the, the nature center. Um, I guess they were over like almost a thousand rocks that they hid oh, <laughs> for my this goodness. event. Yes, and then all of the money and stuff that was raised that day was for the Dalem. Um, but Harmony Garden, myself and one of my music therapists went out, and we did four hours worth of music, just kind kind of nonstop music, interacting with all these children and these families. And it was so much fun because just like you said, it's a lot of, um, you know, my kids came to the event, and there's a bunch of my Sprouts families who were there, families that I know from Um, a lot of the early childhood work that we've done in Jackson. When you see the kids that have kind of graduated out of your program (laughs) and kind of getting to do music with them again, it was a very, very fun event. So it it is. It's really fun to get to kind of meld those two things together of, you know, my enjoyment of performing as well as like the business piece and um, the getting to do music with the community, which kind of brings us full circle to our topic of today, which is different ways that we make music as part of our lives, both inside and outside of work. Yes. I know that you've probably done a little bit more consistent performing than I have, and I just wanted you to maybe touch on um, what kind of performance life you had uh, before you became a music therapist. Before I became a music therapist, I was really into musical theater. I grew up doing musical theater ever since I was really in elementary school is when I started getting involved in school productions and in community theater. And I just fell in love with it. And that's really what carried me into making my decision to major in music in college. And so I went to college not as a music therapy major. I didn't even know what music therapy was at that point. I was a vocal performance major. Yeah. And I was focused on, I think I mentioned this on the podcast maybe recently, that I wanted to be a performer at Disney. And that was a big reason why I decided to go to school in Florida. And singing was my passion. It was my my focus. But the school that I went to, the music program was very classically focused. All of the music that I did for my recitals and all of my performances was classical. And although it was fun and challenging to sing, I knew it wasn't a passion. And I knew that in no way, shape, or form was I going to pursue classical music uh, in my future. And that's about the point that I kind of started thinking, well, what else can I do with music? And I was really fortunate in that I took a class during my sophomore year all about different careers in music. And it was during that class when I was um, when I was asked to write a paper about 
a unique career in music that I discovered music therapy just through a Google search. <laughs> and that really clicked with me. And I realized, oh, this this takes, you know, my love of music and also my desire to help people through my career and kind of puts those two things together. So it was really at that point that I kind of put the classical music down and kind of walked away from it. And I honestly haven't missed it very much. I've taught it over the years, but it it's not my passion whatsoever. I still love musical theater and you know, someday maybe I'll get back to it. It's super time consuming if you've ever been involved in yeah. community theater. Yes, it it's, is. It's a lot of work and it's not usually paid. So <laughs> that's another another factor, especially when you have kids and when you have a business. But um, it's something that I'm really grateful for because it opened me up to really loving music and feeling passionate about performing. And now that I'm not doing musical theater anymore, I've still always kept that love of performance. I've still found different outlets for performing throughout the years. I didn't really do a whole lot of performing in those couple of years between musical theater and becoming a music therapist. I was really just so focused on my goal of becoming a therapist that I made that basically the, the main focus of my life. Then after I started working as a music therapist, actually my second year or so, I realized how much I missed making music just for fun and not making it just for work. And that's when I kind of ventured into the waters of playing gigs and doing the singer-songwriter thing. And it was around 2008 that I started getting into that first just by myself, I would just do solo gigs here and there. I would play in cafes and in bars and different open mics and things around my city. And after a while, I started connecting with other musicians here in Springfield. And I played in some duos. I played in a band for a while. And then I had kids. <laughs> and as we all know... <laughs> Oh, that kind of changes things a little bit. <laughs> yes. Oh, I know. I, I guess I'm very similar in certain ways too, to, especially to the buildup. And then you had kids. Um, yes. Like when I take myself back, um, my primary instrument was flute. Um, I always knew since I was very young, there was a flute player at our church. And whenever she would be playing, I would ask my parents if I could stay until her song was done. And then I would go to Sunday school. So I loved the flute. And um, <laughs> when I when I told the, the, per, the band director who was getting ready to launch sixth grade band that I wanted to play the flute, I came home in tears that day because they told me that I needed to play the oboe or the bassoon, or something, or the French horn. And come to find out, it's because I'm, I have a good musical ear, and those are the instruments that uh, need somebody that will, like, want to play and stick with them. And there's a lot of flute players, and they were, like, well, you know, trying to, I think, push me this other direction. Um, I was in tears. My mom's like, you can play the flute. So I did, um, and I, I loved it. I was always... Um, challenging myself to be the best and challenging any girls that happen to get uh, in front of me in, the, in chair tests and stuff from middle school and high school. Um, I just, I loved it. I didn't take lessons or anything until um, right before college, 
when I realized that maybe I might want to go in to music and I thought, well, maybe I should take some lessons <laughs> while I'm at it. And it was really like that person, my, my teacher that taught me lessons and then my um, band director from high school that just pushed me and said, you know, you can absolutely have a career in music. You just need to go out and, and do it. Um, I still wasn't entirely sold that I was going to be a music educator. Um, because that's the only thing that I knew that existed. Uh, but then I jumped right in when I auditioned to the School of Music. Um, I was humbled. I was definitely not the best anymore, <laughs> you know, coming from from Jackson to going to, like, the big leagues at Michigan State University. And, and I knew I wasn't going to be a performance major. That was never my thing. But I loved to play. And so I, I auditioned, got in. I made the switch to music therapy. And I continued to play flute only pretty much at that point out of necessity because once you, or for me at least, once I hit the degree program and I knew what I was doing, I felt like I needed to focus so much on the clinical work that um, playing my flute, which I loved so much, was really just taking away from my learning that I needed and wanted for music therapy. I needed to put my time into class guitar and to put my time into um, learning the piano, which I had never taken piano lessons either. So I went in to college and everyone's knowing what one, four or five chords are. And I'm just staring at like, you know, staring around the room thinking, what, why did my parents not put me in piano lessons? <laughs> um, but just kind of jumping in as far as all the music went with my music therapy uh, work, it let my uh, flute playing kind of go to the side. Um, it wasn't until um, I'd been practicing as a music therapist for probably let's see, three or four years. And I started to meet local musicians in Jackson. Um, this little place opened up, um, it was called the Bonton Room. And they um, were looking for a jazz band. And I had just started kind of singing with a group and I had never sung in public. So this was all like me just kind of like tiptoeing out, but I feel like it snowballed so fast. The guy who I was singing with um, also was putting together a jazz band. And so he's like, we really should need a jazz flute. And I'm like, well, I haven't played my flute in so many years, but okay. Cause I'm never one to say no when it comes to something with music. And so I jumped in and I feel like, um, in those next two years of us playing in a jazz band, um, I had never played flute so well in my life. I mean, cause I, I was just doing improv and, you know, reading, you know, the lead sheets and stuff and just kind of jumping in. And I, I loved that. It was so much fun. We were gigging at wineries and at the Bonton Room and then still doing our bar band stuff on the side. Um, so I was sometimes gigging up to like three to five gigs in a weekend and a lot of it was paid. So it was like this newfound, like, oh my goodness, um, I'm making money. I'm playing music. I'm out in our community. My family loved it. They were always coming out to um, the bars that we were playing in or whatever and supporting. Um, and then one night, uh, I was playing in the jazz band at the Bonton Room, and I could hear in the other area some singers. <laughs> so they had this piano bar thing going on in a different space there. And I'm like, what? They are singing some of my favorite Broadway songs in there. Like, what is happening? So I kept like sneaking out and listening to what they were doing. Um, 
and slowly made friends with them. And then they encouraged me to sing more. And I ended up getting my uh, feet wet with doing musical theater there. So that was when I did some of my first musicals. Um, I ended up putting together a solo cabaret show that I took to Chicago and performed at Davenport's um, in Chicago uh, when I was pregnant with Aiden. And then the Bonton Room closed a month before I had Aiden. And our jazz band wasn't playing as much, and I had a baby, and there it all went. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I have been there, felt that same feeling. Yeah, it's it's tough because for me, and I'm sure you had this similar experience, when you're performing like that and really doing the music that lights you up and that, that you're passionate about, it's recharging because when you're in the clinical setting, which at that point I was full-time doing clinical work, that is exhausting. And that music isn't always the music that you absolutely love to be doing. You're doing it for your client. You're doing it for your student or for your group, but it's not necessarily filling up your musical cup. Right. And as musicians, we need that. It's just the bottom line. We need to have that creative outlet where we can really express ourselves as the musicians that we are. And once my son was born and I gave up that outlet, at first I thought, oh, well, I don't need that anymore. I have a child. Like this is my new passion. This is my new focus. And I thought that it would take the place of of doing that performing and playing But I quickly learned that that was not the case, that I still felt like a part of me was missing, especially, you know, when you're going through having your first child and learning how to be a mom, you're already feeling not like yourself. So when you're giving up other parts of um, your life, that makes it even harder. Did you feel like you were in a similar boat once Aiden was born? Yeah, definitely. I I don't think that I ever was – fully thinking I would have to give it up. I think I kind of went into like, I mean, the place that I was performing at closed down just happenstance right before I had him. So I felt like that helped a little bit in that it wasn't just sitting there as this like place that I wasn't at because I had spent um, my weekends there for at least the two years prior to that, to having Aiden. Um, So when it closed down, I was kind of like, well, that was maybe like that chapter closing and that's okay. And I will um, maybe be able to do one of the musicals that are coming up with, you know, our community theater, which was very different than the Um, company that I was doing work with because that one was standalone and you got paid for it. And it was like, you could do your rehearsals two days a week and you could still run a show um, because everyone was just in it and on it. And it was, it was run like a tight ship. But then I started to kind of dabble in like auditions for community theater and realized that, I mean, they want so much time from you that I think I was just a little naive to know like, oh, you want like four to five days a week (laughs) for rehearsals? Like, wait a minute. My nights for work are like kind of crazy. I don't even know how I would even pretend to do that. And then let alone having a small child. And then I realized that, you know, getting out, I felt guilty if I was going out and, and going to play a gig in a bar late at night because, you know, I was trying to 
you know, nurse and be home with my baby at night. And, you know, it's just so many things. And I think I went into it maybe a little naive to how much I would be losing the music that I loved to perform. And on the flip of it, not even realizing how much I would miss it once it was gone. I was able to find a way to do the music theater piece um, after Aiden was born with uh, the very small, like one and done performances that were, they happen one time a year. So it's like a cabaret style, a bunch of performers come in and you do your work pretty much alone. And then you come in and you can perform the show. So I was able to slowly start adding a little bit of my performing back into my life. Um, but it was also kind of alarming how much my chops had gone. You know, you go from singing gigs and performing all the time to just, I'm like, I sing all the time for work, (laughs) but it's still a very different use of my voice. So when I did start performing, even if it was just for, you know, a a two or three week period building up to one weekend show, um, man, it was like, I didn't realize how much vocal strain that would maybe be on me for not having that kind of uh, my chops up I guess, for lack of better terms. Yes. Oh, yes. I had a, a rude awakening in the the same way after I did. I re- even remember my first rehearsal back with the guy that I was playing in a duo with after Parker turned one. It was right after his first birthday, and I did not play a gig that entire first year with him. And I think part of it was, like you were saying, like guilt that – you know, in the little spare time that I had where I wasn't working or working on my business that I'd be out somewhere playing a gig. Like it just – it didn't gel with me at that point. But once he turned one, I was like, okay, I'm ready to kind of take this back a little bit. And I did. I jumped back into it and quickly realized, oh, I'm going to have to work up to these four-hour gigs. Like this is not going to happen overnight. And it was so great though. Like I felt like I was – getting myself back to a certain degree. And I was pretty gung-ho that entire next year. And then, of course, a few few months after that, I was pregnant again with (laughs) Mia. And so I knew my time was limited. But this time, I had that knowledge that, okay, things are going to really change after she's born. So I'm going to make the most of it while I'm pregnant, while I still can – perform pretty regularly. And so we did. We played lots of gigs that year and I loved it and I soaked it up. Then after Mia was born, I realized, yeah, it's going to be hard to have two small children, two kids under two at that point, and to keep this up. And also my business had gone through like some huge growth at that point. And that was my big priority at the time. And with me – the music that is that I make as part of my business is really fun to me. And so at that point, I was really embracing that as not just work, but also something that I did for my own self-care. So I think at that point, I was like, okay, I, I, got, I got my fill of that. I feel like I, I did what I wanted to do, what I needed to do for myself. And now I'm going to kind of move in a different direction After Mia was born, I didn't play in the duo anymore, but I did start playing lots of solo gigs. And a lot of these were kind of hybrid like kids events, but also family-friendly events. And that's where I kind of found my perfect niche. 
where I wasn't playing for the bar crowd, which that I always felt like was kind of frustrating because, you know, when you're playing in a bar, when you're playing in a winery or anywhere where you're kind of like the background music, it's just like, you know, I know I'm here for this purpose, but also like, listen to me. And <laughs> did you ever have that? Yes, definitely. Definitely. Especially if you were more like the dinner time hour as opposed to like the later night crowd coming back in. Right. Exactly. And at that point in time, my own time was so precious to me that it's like I felt like if I wasn't maximizing that time or if I didn't feel like it was being really, really well spent, then it wasn't worth being away from home. It wasn't worth doing something that I didn't feel was a good return on my time spent. So I really just didn't have any interest in playing those kinds of gigs anymore. But I loved these events where there were kids that wanted to like kind of dance along and sing along with songs, but also their families were there. And so I was kind of catering to that, to that family crowd. And so I could still do some of my original songs. I could still do some of my pop covers and things like that. But then I could also throw in these children's songs that I was writing for my work and that people in the community kind of knew me for from coming to my classes and being a part of my studio. So really from the point on when my daughter was born up through just this last weekend when I played the event I told you about earlier, that's kind of been my focus outside of of work. And that's what fills up that musician cup for me. And it's gratifying. And it's also feeding my, my work life too because I make connections. I meet other families that are like, oh, you do this for a living? Like what is Music Therapy Connections? Tell me more. So it's been really great for my personal life, but then also professionally. Yeah. You know, I like that you acknowledge the fact that sometimes the music we do in our therapy sessions can be something that fills our cup. You know, I think that that a lot of times there's so much focus on self-care and making sure that we are doing music for ourselves. And, and, and I know that that's so important because it's, it's kind of what we're talking about. But I have always kind of felt that way that, um, you know, certain groups that I run maybe once a month with certain, um, individuals that come into my office, like those doing the music with them, like, like hybrid of my style mixed with the things that they need. Um, like something about that is self-care for me. And I feel like it's taking that, um, uh, maybe my musical gift and, and, my, I wouldn't call it performing because I don't ever think that I perform for my clients, but at the same time, it's like taking that piece of me that likes to perform and, um, does it for other people and melds it right in with my, with my clients and my groups in a way that I know that they're getting what they need for their goals and their work, but I'm also having so much personal fun, um, because of the music that we're sharing together that, that I'm not ashamed of that. So I like the fact that you kind of mentioned that, you know, it kind of can sometimes fill your own personal cup, the work that you're doing um, because of the music that you're sharing. Yeah, it's so true. I was actually just having that thought this morning. I, I taught a couple of early childhood classes this morning. And as I was singing with these kids and they were just having a great time and they were doing all the things that I was expecting them to do, like asking them to do, throughout the session. 
and thinking, gosh, this is like, I am so lucky to be able to do this. I've written these songs for this, for this exact purpose, but I also wrote them in the style that I love to sing and they're achieving goals through them. It's really, really gratifying. And so I think that when you can find that point where you're (laughs) meeting all of those different criteria, it's, that's when you found the sweet spot in your work, especially when your work is involving something that's so special to you, like music. Yeah. And I agree that in the last um, year, maybe, um, I've really been trying to figure out ways to branch out so that some of the, especially the family-driven music that my office does, um, being able to say like, hey, you know, Harmony Garden's going to come perform for that event. And I don't say necessarily that it's just me or, you know, I might put my name on it or my other therapist, but just being like, you know, I am Harmony Garden, I think, when it comes to Jackson anymore. Like it is, I am the music therapy, um, I'm the music therapist connection here for what we've got going on. And so I feel like it is like this perfect mix to take Harmony Garden with me when I go to family events to perform and to play. And so I've been trying to find more of those opportunities because it does, it drives all of the pieces together that I um, that I like and that I am, I think when it comes to music. Yeah. I love that you said that because I have that exact same feeling about it. (laughs) The other day, uh, I was introduced as music therapy connections. And at first (laughs) I wanted to correct her and then she did say my name, but I was like, well, and then I thought about it and like, yeah, that makes sense because then these people, you know, they're hearing music therapy connections and they're putting those two things together. And, To me, that is really special because that's something I used to wrestle with when I did play in a band, when I played in a duo and I did more adult geared gigs where I was playing in bars and things. I always would think, you know, are my clients and my families going to be turned off by the fact that I'm spending my Friday and Saturday nights playing in bars? Like, is that (laughs) against, you know, the fact that I'm a music therapist that works with kids by day? Right. And that, you know, that was kind of like a, an ethical struggle with me. And I honestly, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And ultimately I did continue doing it because it was important for me and my own self-care, but I love the integration of everything now. And it's, this feels so fun and it feels right from every aspect that it's it's really nice to feel like I've hit my my really sweet spot of where I where I feel the best yeah you know I mentioned the um the once a year like cabaret style um show that I do I did the one this year was back in April um and so Riley was just about to turn one um and it actually had more um rehearsal time scheduled into it than they'd ever asked before because it was directed by somebody else and I was I was super nervous and on the fence and I went ahead and I did it and we were performing at a winery um for like like a dinner show type style so people were you know they bought a ticket and had a meal and they had wine um and you know we're doing 
cabaret style musical theater sh- stuff and I sang a couple songs and you know there's swear words in them because it's just you know, it's what a lot of the more contemporary Broadway stuff does um and, you know there's other songs and other performers doing stuff and at the very end of the show <laughs> the lights came up and I hear my name like hooting from this table that was not where my family was. So I'm like, what? And I kind of look over and it's a supervisor um, from one of the preschools that I work for. And I had one of those like moments of like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> that person just saw me, you know, and so she came over. She's like, oh my gosh, Miss Jamie, Miss Jamie also does music like this. Like, how come you didn't ever tell us you should have put a poster up at our facility? We would have like, everyone would have come. And, but I had that moment of like deer in the headlights because I thought does she, I hope she's hollering because she liked it and that she's not like appalled that I'm gonna like show up with my guitar and all my early childhood stuff and sing <laughs> with the preschool classes later that week so it's just one of those like funny moments where like there was one of my um you know a person that is pretty major in my contract there <laughs> was there watching me perform in a total different way Yeah, and I also think it's kind of fun to – I've definitely had experiences like that, and I think it kind of humanizes you a bit more. Yeah. So rather than just seeing you as like, oh, the really peppy, happy music therapist that, you know, works (laughs) amazingly with kids, like you're also just a regular person and you have your hobbies and your interests outside of work. And so I would always kind of use that as like a little reminder to myself that, hey, I'm, I can do these things outside of work too. That's totally fine. Right, right. Well, and her, yeah. you know, that group of table was there definitely having a good time <laughs> at the winery. Yeah. So it's probably a little bit of both, you know, you know, oh, know she sure. had that same kind of thought like, oh, <laughs> you just, I don't <laughs> think you can help but at least have it cross your mind, even though it's completely, you know, what we were doing was completely normal. We just, we have lives outside of those things. It's like when you think that your teacher never leaves school and then you yes. see him at the grocery store and you're like, wait a, wait a minute. <laughs> right. Well, and that's what I love so much about playing all these events around Springfield is that I do spot my kids, my kids, I call them my kids, but they're my students and clients and people that that I know through Music Therapy Connections, but they see me and they're like, Miss Rachel, what are you doing here? Like, it's so (laughs) strange to see me outside of music class or, you know, the, the place that they usually see me, but it's, it's fun. It just brings, it just furthers that connection with community and, and my business and what I do for fun. So it's, it's really great and I love it. But, you know, I always, I always think, will I go back to doing some of that other stuff that I used to do at some point in my life? And now that my kids are getting a little bit older, my son will be in kindergarten and my daughter's three. So yeah, I I think about it from time to time, maybe playing more often and playing more adult gigs and things like that. Do you have thoughts like that? I look forward because I do truly, truly miss um, the musical theater stuff. I find that, you know, I'm very closely watching like what's coming out anywhere near me and like, could I possibly swing it? And the answer is always ultimately no. But also if a show were to really come up that I, it's on my bucket list. I just, I don't know. I've told Dave, like, these are on my bucket list. If this one and this one pop up, like, I guess you're just going to be doing the parent thing. (laughs) But I think that as my kids get older, um, 
I don't know if Aiden would do it, but I feel like I'm looking forward to doing that as like a family too, you know, for shows where there are children in them. Madeline, I think, will steal a show someday. She'll be on stage and she'll be showing up everybody that's there just because depending on her age, she's just adorable and quirky. And I think that she absolutely will um, get into that or possibly, I'm hoping. Um, but I feel like my kids... Um, might be the key to me being able to do some of the musical theater stuff because then it might be after school, it might be after work, it might go a little bit late, but we're doing it together. So I won't have that guilt of like, um, you know, mommy's just not home because she's out doing a show. You know I mean? They, they know that I do that stuff and they'll say that, are you at a show tonight or whatever when I'm in one and then I start feeling bad, but I feel like eventually they might be able to go with me. Um, and we might be able to do some of that together. And then still trying to do at least one thing annually for myself, by myself. Um, I feel like that's absolutely appropriate. Um, and then maybe tiptoeing back in. Who knows? Maybe I can do some more um, of the duo stuff, too, that I used to do. Um, I'm always saying to people, like, hey, you know, if you want an extra, like, voice for next weekend, just tell me. I don't even need to be paid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but um, I feel like it'll it'll come, it'll just come with time as they get older. Yeah, I think so too. And I think for me, it's just all about keeping an open mind and not trying to force anything and just being open to the possibilities because you never know what paths are going to open and what your interests might be at this point. I'm not particularly interested in doing musical theater, but I have lots of great memories of my mom and I doing it together when I was younger, like you were talking about. So someday if my kids want to do that, I think I'd definitely be open to it. So it's it's all about just kind of seeing what comes your way and taking each opportunity as it comes. Yeah, absolutely. How does music play a role in your life outside of your work? Let's continue the conversation in the comments of the show notes page over at guitarsandgranolabars.com or you can email me, rachel at listenlearnmusic.com. You can also find me on Instagram at Rachel Ramback and at listenlearnmusic. And you can also find Jamie there at HG Music Therapy. As always, I'm so grateful that you took some time out of your day to listen to the podcast. If you enjoyed it, I hope you'll share it with a friend and consider rating and reviewing the show. We'll talk to you again soon on the next episode.